Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of the show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we receive so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. This week's show promises to be an exciting and informative one. Joining me today is author and founder of Yeshua Ministries. I said that wrong, but anyway. You, <laughs> you said it right, me. actually. Oh, yay. Yeshua Ministries. <laughs> um, Leslie Montgomery, who has graciously shared a bit, a tiny bit of her testimony with our Christian Living Magazine readers in our current issue. Leslie, thank you so much for joining oh, me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I always you. put everybody on the spot. How are you? No, I'm doing good. Are we supposed to say horrible if we're horrible? Yeah. <laughs> Christians are all the biggest liars in the world because right, we, we all are. say, I'm great. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Yeah. I get that. Because we really. Yeah. Never mind. Anyway. So we've known each other for less than a year, but it was like an instant connection. It was. I will never You're forget special. the day that you called and it was just like, this is a soul sister. I, thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I'm so glad. I, I know this will embarrass you and I'm sorry. I will apologize up front for that. But I'm so glad I got to know you before I got to read your resume because I was like, oh, my gosh, this woman is she knows people. You're so humbly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so as I mentioned in your in our in my intro, I can't even talk. Part of your testimony is in our current issue. But. It's an incredible testimony. It really is. It shows you how great God is. It really does. Well, and that's you. Your life started out rough. It really did. You know, it got it. But you know what? It, sh- it My story really shows you how God is a God of redemption. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, um, let's talk about because you we, we talk about this. Scripture promises that he'll take things and make them good. Romans yeah. eight twenty eight. you know. Yeah. And so let's talk about, yeah. how, how did you, let's talk about how you got to this point, because God was instrumental in putting some wonderful people in your path that, that are mentioned in the article, but we, you didn't really have room to elaborate on them. Well, you know, I, I was born in California, but my parents brought me to Mountain Home, Idaho when I was three and went through a lot of abuse, you know, just, uh, my dad was an alcoholic and rageaholic and, um, he, he also came from abuse and he, he, I think he, I remember him him bragging that he had 30 jobs in 20 years. He, he just couldn't hold a job. He was, he would leave. He'd rage against his, his boss. He, you know, would go on drinking binges. He was having various affairs. He'd leave and for a couple of weeks and come back. And my mom kept taking him back. Matter of fact, she hates roses to this day because he would come back with roses and say, sorry. And and um, he he would he had a gun. Well, he had numerous guns. That he had guns and would threaten to kill us all. And so she dismantle him when when he was drunk or and passed out or or when he wasn't looking. And and we just lived in this environment. Uh, there was sexual abuse and physical abuse or threats, and it was just my normal. That was your normal. That was my Ch- normal. Children, I used to have a sign that, you know, the old waterbed. I had a sign that hung over my, where I slept. And it said, children learn what they live. Absolutely. And it was your normal. And you know, I had this belief that if I could just get my dad to love me, that I would be okay. And so it didn't matter what was going on in my environment. 
I just thought, well, I just have to passionately get this man to love me and I would be okay. So it didn't matter what he was doing, if he was out fixing cars, if he was hunting. I just, I would just go out to him and say, hey, you know, I want to spend time with you. And he'd say, go away. And, and I would go away and I would be defeated. But I would just keep trying to passionately get his attention and get his love. And he would just reject me every time. And um, it, it was just uh, the cycle of defeat. When I was, when I was 12 years old, I went to a wedding. I was a part of a wedding with somebody he worked with and he got sloppy drunk and he was coming on to different women and he, um, I hid in in a part that after the wedding, the people were at somebody's house for the reception, and I hid on top of the washer and dryer in the closet because he was making a fool out of himself. And I was watching him through the slats, and he was just sloppy drunk, and and um, he. Uh, uh, he came and got me at the end of the night. He was accusing me of losing his keys and his tie. And the woman who got married came and got me. She said, this isn't your fault. And and uh, I, I had to essentially drive home that night. I was 12 years old and got home. And my mom was waiting by the door. And um, we got in the house that night. And I was trying to help my mom get him undressed. And he started grabbing my mom and ripping her clothes off. And my mom's like, get out of here. She knew what was going to happen. And she's like, get out of here. I'm like, no, I'm going to help you. She said, no, get out of here. And I went to the door and I stood there frozen and watched my dad rape my mother. And I, 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 it was out of body experience. I just, it, it, something in me changed that night watching that happen. I, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't move. I couldn't leave. I was just frozen. And that night was the night that I stopped trying to get my dad's love. I just said, you know, I hate this man. And I I tried to kill myself the next week. I ran away shortly after that. I just rebelled against all things. And um, I started drinking heavily. I started becoming very promiscuous with older men. I started sneaking outside my bedroom window. And I thought, you know, if my dad's not going to give me love, And my mom is not going to rescue us because my mom was just, I saw my mom at that time. I don't believe this about my mom now. I think she's a very strong woman because I understand the dynamics of, you know, abuse now as an adult. But at the time I saw my mom as a very weak woman. She wouldn't stand up to him. She wouldn't protect us. And, and I, I left there and, um, I, I just remember thinking I have to be the strong one. And, and, uh, so I would just, would just do whatever I could to find love, to fill that void. And of course, none of that fills the void, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it, and it probably didn't help too, because I've, I've kind of done the math and reading through the article and things. Your parents were very young parents when they started out. So there was a lack of maturity there too, on top of the history of abuse and all of that. So they didn't have, they didn't have the age and maturity to fall back on either. I'll tell you an interesting story. My mother married my dad because he raped her at gunpoint and she was forced to marry him. And uh, she was a virgin and um, he, he raped her at gunpoint and she didn't come home. It was a date. And her um, she was living with her aunt and her aunt called her mother and said, Diane's not here. And so he, uh, they called the police. The police got involved. He had a record. He didn't want to go back to jail. So her mother gave him an ultimatum. You marry my daughter, or you go back to jail. And he was like, I'm not stupid. Yeah. And so he married my mother. So my mother marries her rapist. And that's how my family tree begins. Oh, wow. And so I had an older brother. My mom was 20 when she had me. My my older brother is just almost 18 months older than me. 
she was 20 when she had me, and then I have a younger brother who's just about two and a half years younger than me. So that's, that. you know, we're married into violence. So we married into, you know, that kind of environment that you're going to expect that kind of, yeah. of behavior. And so when I, I, I was right when I turned 16, I got a job at Dairy Queen. And the first guy that walked in and told me I had pretty blue eyes, I married three months later. And it was, I knew I didn't love him. I just wanted to get out of my house. It was an escape. He, he was my hero. And, um, and uh, I, I, I remember sitting with him and asking, he was asking my parents if he could marry me. We went to my mom first and she's like, no way. Because we asked her to sign without my dad's permission. She's like, <gasps> and uh, we went to my dad. And my first question my dad said was, do you have to marry her? And he might, he's like, no, <laughs> she's not pregnant. Um, but... Um, and then he said, yes. And, and the first thought I thought was, why isn't he fighting for me? Yeah. Yeah. I was barely 16. I was three months, you know, just turned 16. And, and I, I remember on my wedding day, we got married in my ba- parents' backyard. I didn't want to get married. We were in a borrowed wedding dress, and I didn't want to get married. And I thought, I, I, I have to. It's too late. I, if I have, we have this, you know, little wedding cake, you know, 10 inch wedding cake and I'm in a dress and I, I'm in 10th grade. Yeah. And suddenly you're realizing, whoops, I, I, I have to get married now. I can't back out of this. And, and the night before my brother had, my oldest brother came to me and he said, I know why you're doing this. And I, you know, and I didn't say anything, but I, I knew too. And so of course I, he didn't fill that void. My husband didn't fill that void. And so I had this brilliant idea at 16. If I just have a baby, that baby will fill that void. Right. Yeah. A lot, that unconditional a, love. A lot of girls I'll, feel I'll that get way. That unconditional love right. somewhere. A baby yep. will love me. I'll love the baby. Then I'll have that void fit. So I had a baby. Well, babies aren't supposed to be born with with the job, and she couldn't fill that void. And I, right away, I had, got pregnant again. Eleven months later, I had a son, and of course, they didn't fill that void. It's and, like twins. Yeah, <laughs> eleven Dutch months apart. Twins, That's yeah. Tw- yeah. And so I figure, well, you know, I, I'm married to the wrong guy. I just need to find the right guy. So I be, was out trying to find the right guy at night when my husband came home from work. And, and of course, that destroys a marriage. And um, so one day, you know, we, we split. Of, and I was 19. And I, uh, I had grown up with a dad writing bad checks, never, never got in trouble for it. So I start writing bad checks. And, of course, I get arrested for it. And I end up in jail. And we're divorced. I'm 19. I'm in jail. My kids are with their dad. Um, I had at that point, I can't even tell you how many times I tried to kill myself. As soon as I left my parents' house at 16, and this is common, you know, I'm a, I'm a retired therapist now, but this is so common. You leave an environment where you've been, you've endured severe abuse and you get to what we call, you know, a safe environment. And I started having flashbacks. I started, uh, I had severe depression. You know, your body goes, okay, I'm in a safe environment. And and I, I think I was experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder and didn't know it and was self-medicating and, and trying to deal with that. And that's exactly what happened. And um, I was, I, I just had to escape that day and night. I was just living in anxiety and fear and depression. And I had tried to kill myself so many times. And I called my husband, we were separated and I called him and I said, can we reconcile? And he said, he said, no, I found another mother. You're, you're not their mother anymore. I found somebody else. And, um, and that was it for me. I cannot imagine how painful that had to be. I still have a postcard from him to this day that says that, that I'm not their mother anymore. And, uh, that he found a new mother for them. And, uh, 
And well, I happen was, to know that you have grandchildren, so I did. at some point you reconciled. There, <laughs> was, did, a, there yeah. was a silver lining yeah, to that, God cloud. is faithful. You know, God is, when I got saved, God said, you know, I'm going to restore the years eaten away by the locusts, which is Joel 2.25. And I, and I trusted him for that, and he did. And, um, you know, I, did, I, I, I got out of jail. I was supposed to spend six months, and I, I ended up spending like three. And when I was in jail, I, it was a, I had only had a 10th grade education. There was a counselor there, and she, she did some kind of testing with me. I don't know what it was. And she said, listen. And you're smart. You could do something with your life if you really wanted. And she was the first person who ever said that to me. Yeah. First person in my life. And I remember going through school. My parents never questioned my grades. I was failing. I was skipping school. They never looked at my report cards and said, hey, you need to get it together. Never. And you uh, have potential. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was the yeah. first person who ever said that to me. And, and so I was like, really? I, I do. And so it was, it was, in, uh, and, and then during that time, my parents got divorced and, and my mom met this guy named Art Montgomery. He was a retired colonel from West Point and he was traveling through and his job was to meet with West Point, potential West Point cadets and mentor them to get them into a West Point. And my mother had shared with him my story and he said, Hey, how about if I start writing to her and encouraging her and mentoring her as I do these West Point cadets? And so he did. And he was really really uh, started speaking to my heart and my life. And I think that I wasn't a Christian there then. He wasn't a Christian, but my heart was tender for that. And I really needed to hear that. And so he was just speaking into my heart and my life. And I got out of jail and he said, why don't you come and move to LA where I live? And I have a two bedroom, two bath place and get on your feet. And I graduated high school and I, I went to college and he just he just poured into me like a dad. And I, I, I called him dad. He called me his daughter. And literally every single little thing I did, he made a big deal out of it. My daughter graduated high school. I am so proud of you. Let's go out and celebrate. Every week he bought me fresh flowers. Look at this. I bought you flowers because you know what? You are worthy. You are valuable. I'm like, what's up with this guy? <laughs> what, what a gift. What a gift. But that's who he was. I mean, he, and, and he would date women. He treated them the same way, but he just cherished me. And I remember laying my head on his lap. We used to watch football together. And I'd say, I'm not going to make it. I can't do it. He'd say, oh, yes, you can. You are going to make it. I am not going to let you say that, you know? And I'd say, but I did this. I failed. Oh, yeah. But you know what? You're not, you're going to do it right next time. You know, he just believed in me. And, you know, it's funny because you said neither one of you were Christian, but no. he was modeling God's perfect love, he was. his unconditional love. He was. What, he was. what a gift. And I'll tell you, his friends told him he was crazy to take this girl into his life and do what he was doing. Absolutely nuts. But he just poured into me and 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 loved me. So I lived with him for two years and he knew I loved to write. I loved to write music. I loved to write. And he, I moved to Nashville and he just continued to pour into me and love 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 me. I went back and forth and visited him and I finished. I got my degree and uh, started counseling for the y- YWCA, Young Women's Christian Association. I still wasn't a believer. Started working with girls like me who had been abused, loved it was great um a couple of years later i i was running through nashville and i of course had been a new age all these things saying positive things to myself and i thought what what can i say positive today as i'm running through nashville and and psalms 23 came to mind and i had not thought of that since i was like 11 and my dad had gotten radically saved and went to church for like 12 like six months and then he stopped going and 
And But during that time, I had mem- memorized Psalm 23. I thought, well, I'm going to say it. So as I'm running, I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I got to the line, he restoreth my soul, and a light bulb went off. And I thought, that's that's what I'm missing in life. You know, if if all my life, if God created me and my soul was whole, and then, I mean, it's just like this clarity, and then my soul is broken, if God created it, he must be the only one who could make it whole again. Absolutely. And so I said, God, if if you're real, then restore my soul. And about a week later, I met this born-again Christian, and they started witnessing to me. And three months later, I gave my heart to the Lord. And I'll tell you, that big gaping hole that I'd had my entire life, that I wanted my dad to feel, all these men to feel, money, success, all these things. Now, at that point, I had a very successful career writing music. I had a very successful career in uh, counseling. I had everything I ever wanted. Uh, There was no reason for me to have that gaping hole. I still had that gaping hole. Suddenly, that gaping hole was filled. Suddenly, instantly. Isn't that how God works? Yeah. So let's talk because we're, I'm, I'm looking at the clock I know we're here. running out of time. I'm like, blah, we, blah, blah, this blah. Could be, this could be a multi-segment I know. if we had time. Um, but God used you in a mighty God way. God chose me. I, I talked about That's your, a beautiful your thing. resume. Yes, yeah. he chose you. And he has opened doors for you that are not opened for everyone. Yeah, he's He faithful. has given you incredible gifts. Um, you have worked with... Billy Graham and Chuck Colson. Yes. You have written um, The Faith of Condoleezza Rice yes. and The Faith of Mike Pence, which means you know these people. Mm-hmm. You've interviewed these people. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You had to do Bible study with Mike Pence. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have trembled. And, and Leslie, I can see you walking in misconfidence. You'd have been great. Um, I have to ask, do you still write songs at all? I do. I write. I do. Uh, but I'm not working with anybody to try to get them published. I actually have to tell you when I got saved, I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to write music. I wrote some music with Natalie Grant before she got saved. I wrote or before she took, she got her deal. I wrote with Michael W. Smith. I'll tell you a funny story with Michael W. Smith. We wrote uh, music for Titanic. We wrote we were working on uh, the song for the lead for the movie. And some woman named Celine Dion got that song. Uh, she didn't write it. But, uh, you know, some song called My Life Will Go- My Heart Will Go On. What a stupid song. Be- you helped beat write my that? song. No, oh. no. Michael W. Smith and I were writing a song. It didn't make it. Some song called My Heart Will Go On. Got it. I don't know about that song. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so our song didn't make it. But yeah, we worked on a song together. But yeah, that would that would. I Yeah. No wonder. I mean, you, no wonder you could interview the then vice president of the United States. And God is faithful. Yeah. It, yeah. it is so cool. So, and, and you've written, by my count, uh, aside from the faith of Condoleezza Rice and the faith of Mike Pence, five other books, six other books? No, other I've books? written over a dozen books, and then I ghostwrite books, so I've written over a dozen ghosts. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> that's absolutely cr- incredible. But that's okay. So one of the books, I brought one of the books with me today that you have written because you gifted me with it. Yeah. And, but I, And I've read it. It's so touching. And it's called Home is in the Heart. Yeah, that's a, that's a project my ministry did, yeah. So, um, but it's just the beginning of a project that you're doing. And I want to talk about that because part of what your current passion is, is homelessness, homelessness Mm -hmm. of families and homelessness Mm -hmm. of children. And um, I've spent some considerable time on your website and the statistics for homeless children absolutely broke my heart. Longtime listeners of of this show Mm -hmm. and longtime readers of Christian Living Magazine know that the Boise Rescue Mission and homelessness is one of the causes that I champion. And 
Um, so it it really jerked my heartstrings. Um, you know, Reverend Bill and I have talked about homeless people aren't deadbeats. That you know, no. they're, they're people that life has happened to, and right now, as inflation is skyrocketing and things seem to be so out of control in so many ways, we're seeing record numbers of homelessness. So let's talk a little bit about. Um, I, I love what you're. I love your synopsis on your on your website. Home home is in the heart. Touches on common sense sources of grief. Everything from homelessness, death to divorce, to losing a pet, and normalizing the confusion, confusing thoughts and physical symptoms that come with change and grief. Mm-hmm. And it's this is not a project that you're taking on by yourself. You're mm-hmm. mentoring kids at, at Nampa Christian Schools. Yes, and and then reaching out and and through. Um, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about the blessing bag. So let's. Yes. You, I, I'm kind of stealing your thunder here. So tell no. tell our listeners about your idea. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Nampa Christian School, uh, the elementary has adopted us, and I'll tell you about the blessing. So Home is in the Heart is a book about the real meaning of home, and you can get it on Amazon.com, by the way, and it's available. But it uh, the purpose of it was, you know, when kids go into when families go into the mission, um, the, the the parents are always giving things, but kids 12 and under are not given anything. And so I wanted them to have something that says, hey, you're important and I want to comfort you. Any Anybody who's going through grief, you know, grief is yep. important. So I, I wrote a book called Home is in the Heart and it talks about how no matter where you're at, you know, it's the people who are with you, the people that you love that are in, in your heart that are, are the most important, you know, or who are with you that are, are, are home. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wrote the book and in the book, it's about a little girl named Unique who's with her mom. They go from living in their car to living in the shelter. And when she goes into the shelter, the woman in the shelter gives her what's called a blessing in the bag. And and in the blessing in the bag is a blanket. Um, it, it, there is a, a Bible. There is a, a little bit of candy. There is a, a, a book that she can color in, some coloring pencils. There is um, a letter from a previous person who lived there, another kid that says, hey, listen, I'm sorry you're going through what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. And that's what the Nampa Christian kids did. We had 465 letters that were written by oh, Nampa Christian kid elementaries that we have that, that went into these bags. So we actually have blessings in the bags that we are going to take to uh, Nampa Christian, or I'm sorry, to the rescue mission and donate to them and with a copy uh, of the book with a copy of the book and those bags uh, to give to kids 12 and under that walk into the mission what a beautiful thing and it's a beautifully yeah. well-written book i i have to tell you i i read it and i was deeply touched thank um, you god is faithful it's he is faithful he is faithful so um as i'm as i'm looking at the clock here that's my my nemesis is this timer here <laughs> um so how can our listeners help with this project or any other project or, or contact you about anything that we've talked about today? Well, they can go to my website, which is author, leslymontgomery.com, which is A-U-T-H-O-R-L-E-S-L-I-E-M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y.com. You can also call me. Let me tell you, my number is so hard to remember. It's 208-703-PRAY. Oh, I love it. I love it. Seven zero three seven seven two nine, And so you can, you can give me a call. You know, I have to tell you one of the things that was so touching. The book is beautiful and it's touching. Thank you. But at the very end, you do, you you write a letter to the reader. I Dear do. Sweet You're going to make me cry. <laughs> it's OK. You made me cry. So yeah, you know. I was I was raised in, in relative poverty and had it not been for my grandparents who who helped my parents. Uh, financially, we would we probably would have been living in our car in in a shelter for sure. But you signed this letter 
and you give them, <laughs> and you give them your email oh address. Oh, no crying. <laughs> but it was so touching because I love kids. You know, I think God sometimes teaches us the great empathy from lessons that we've absolutely lived ourselves. Romans eight twenty eight. I will use all things for for my glory, and He has done that in my life. Yes, He has. So, folks, we're at the end of our time today. Um, please remember, you can read more of Leslie's story in our current issue of Christian Living Magazine, in, available in over 600 locations throughout southern Idaho and online at christianlivingmag.com. We invite you back next week when we have another special guest, actually two of them, joining us, some people who will fill you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout the Treasure and Magic Valleys and in Central Idaho through McCall. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.